0: Good evening. Open up, if you would, to start with Deuteronomy chapter 5. As you know, if you've been here any of the last several months, I think starting back in March, we've been doing a series on the Ten Commandments, and tonight we're going to uh, end that series. We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 5. Um, just to kind of give you a heads up of what's coming next, Uh, Next week we'll have a sermon on Sunday night, be kind of a a one-off thing, it won't be part of a series or anything, uh, just because we have a week uh, left to fill, and so Pastor Jake will be preaching uh, something next week, I don't even know what, and then starting the first week in August, uh, we're going to have our answers in August series that we've been having uh, the last few years, we'll have that again this year, and we're going to talk about the age of creation. How old is creation? Is creation several million years old? Is it, is it a few thousand years old? Um, is it somewhere in between? All that kind of stuff. And then we have a new series coming in uh, that'll start in September. But tonight we're gonna finish the series on the Ten Commandments. And we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but the Ten Commandments is found two different places in the in the Old Testament. Right, it's in Exodus 20, which is where we've been, uh, we've been preaching from for the past several months. Uh, but the Ten Commandments is also found in Deuteronomy chapter five. Uh, where the, the same story, it's not God didn't give the Ten Commandments twice, it's this, the same story just being told a, again, being told a second time in this other book, uh, Deuteronomy, that, that Moses wrote. And so I want us to look at chapter 5 uh, tonight, and then we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 3 and look at a couple of passages there in Galatians 3. Um, and I want us to try to, try to think through two questions uh, tonight as, as we close this series. Uh, really one big question, but then two questions underneath it. The The one big question is, um, what is the purpose of the Ten Commandments? Why did God give the Ten Commandments? But the, the two questions we're going to focus on to try to answer that one question is, what was the purpose of the Ten Commandments uh, for the people that God gave them to? In, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 20, the people that were there uh, here in Deuteronomy 5, the people that were there at the mountain, uh, and, and they received the Ten Commandments from Moses, he came down off the mountain with the tablets. Um, how were they supposed to respond to uh, receiving those Ten Commandments? Um, and then the second kind of sub-question is, how were we today supposed to respond to the Ten Commandments? So we're in a little bit different situation, right? Um, and, and we know this, but we'll see this in Galatians 3. The people that Moses originally gave the Ten Commandments to, uh, God had not provided them a savior yet. He'd already made some promises about a Savior coming. Jesus had not yet been been born, he'd not yet been been sent and, and given. We're on the other side of that to where now we do have a Savior. We do have a, have, a, have, have the Lord that, that God has sent and that has come and died for us. And so how, what, what was their response supposed to be and, and what is our response supposed to be? So so look at, look at Deuteronomy 5. I'm not gonna read the whole thing because Josh uh, already read it as our, as our call to worship. Uh, but the 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 first, uh, let's see, the first twenty-one verses are uh, are the Ten Commandments, right? The same thing we've we've read from Exodus twenty, uh, the the ten words, the ten commands that that God gave, and then starting in in verse twenty-two is the people's response, and and Moses recounts what they did and how they how they responded, and and we get down to verse twenty-seven. And he writes this, he says, go near, this is the people telling Moses to do this, they tell Moses to go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you and we will hear and do it. So if if you remember from that other section that Josh read earlier, um, it's almost like they're kind of afraid of God, right? They're saying we don't want to hear from him directly lest we die because who's ever heard from the Lord directly and didn't die? It's, it's like they're kind of a, a, a afraid of God, a healthy kind of being afraid of God. And so they tell Moses, go, you go talk to God, and then you come back and tell us what God says, and, and then we'll do it. And I, I don't think this is necessarily their mentality, but, but as, I, as I read through that, that section 22 to 27, I kind of almost get the feeling like they're saying, just look, we'll do whatever it takes to get him away from us, right? if whatever he says, yeah, we'll do it. Let's just, let's just get it to where he's not here with us anymore and we're not, a, we're not afraid of him anymore. And so they declare uh, to God or to Moses, you go get the words for us and we will do it. And so a couple of questions come to mind just off, the, uh, off of that uh, immediately. The first one is, will they do it? They say, go, go, go get the words from God, come give them to us and whatever God says, we will do it. The first question is, will they do it? They say that they will. They say that they're going to. They they, they make this profession that they will. But will they Will they do it? And then the second question that comes to mind is, should they do it? Should, and should they commit themselves to doing it that way, right? And obviously our first answer is, well, of course they could. If, or of course they should. If God gave them these commands, then of course they should try to do them. They should try to follow them. Right? But it depends on why they're trying to follow them. It depends on what they're trying to accomplish by trying to follow them, whether they should or not. What's the purpose of the 10 Commandments? What should their response have been and what should our response be as believers in Christ now? So let's, let's turn to Galatians chapter three uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna look at two, two passages. They're both in chapter three. Uh, the first one there is in your, in your bulletin, verses 10 through 14. Really, really, kind of preaching three different texts tonight, but I didn't want to put that in the bulletin because I was afraid y'all wouldn't come. Uh, but we're really going to look at kind of, kind of three passages: that one in, in Deuteronomy five, and then two here in Galatians chapter three. So, so first of all, verses ten through uh, ten through fourteen, and and let's think through how should the people of the Old Testament have responded to these Ten Commandments. And even we can think about today, how should people, maybe there's some of us here even right now, how should people today that, are, that, are, that don't have a relationship with, with Jesus use the Ten Commandments or respond to the Ten Commandments or um, relate to the Ten Commandments. So starting in chapter, chapter three, starting in verse 10, Paul writes this, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it's written, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay, so Paul's here contrasting the law with faith. And how is it that we're justified? How is it that we receive the Holy Spirit? How is it that we're made right uh, with God? And he says very clearly, we just read it, At the the very first verse there, the the very first part there, verse 10, he says very clearly that the law brings a curse, not salvation. The law brings a curse, not salvation. And in fact, the law can't bring salvation. The law can't bring salvation. But that's not a weakness in the law, that's not not something that's, that's a problem with the law because the law was never meant to bring salvation to start with. Okay, uh, the, the law was given to prove to us in, in no uncertain terms that we can't measure up to the standard that God sets. To prove to us in no uncertain terms we cannot measure up to the standard that God sets for us. Okay? And, and God could have told people that and in fact before he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses he did tell people that throughout, throughout the Bible. But he gave the 10 commandments to show that to us, to prove that to us, to them. There's a kid at work right now. His name's Adrian. Um, and he's a pretty stubborn kid. I, I like him, but he's, he's, he's a pretty stubborn kid and he'll, he'll argue about all kinds of stuff. And even if he's completely wrong and doesn't have any idea what he's talking about, he'll just keep on and on and on arguing about it. And one day he came in my office and he said, I have like a, like a radio with a CD player and stuff, and it was up sitting up on a shelf in my office. And uh, he asked if he, could, if he could use it, if he could listen to it. And I said, no, because you've got to have headphones and that, that radio doesn't have a headphone jack. And he said, yes, it does. And I said, no, nope, it sure doesn't. It's mine, I paid for it, I bought it. I know what it's got on it. It doesn't have a headphone jack. And he's like, yeah, it does. And I said, it, it doesn't have a headphone jack. I'm, I'm telling you, it doesn't it does have a headphone jack. You're just wrong, it has a headphone jack. I'm like it doesn't, and he just kept on back and forth and finally I said, you know what, get it down, look at it and prove to yourself it doesn't have a headphone jack. And of course it didn't have a headphone jack, right? But, but finally I said, get it down yourself, look at it yourself, prove to yourself, you're not gonna believe me when I tell you this, prove to yourself that it doesn't, that it doesn't have a headphone jack. And, and, and God gave the law kind of, kind of in, that same, in that same way. To prove to people that we can't measure up, to prove to us, to me and you, that we cannot measure up to God's standard, uh, and, and and if we think we can, you know, if, if preaching through the Ten Commandments the last several weeks, maybe you're sitting there thinking, "Amen, I'm doing that, right? Amen, I'm I'm that describes me right there." Maybe, maybe that's what y'all are y'all are thinking. I hope not, but maybe. Uh, but if that is what we're thinking, we can look to the New Testament and see Jesus expands the law, or. or or uh, takes it takes it a, a few steps further. Um, and and the, the, the Ten Commandments say you shall not murder, but Jesus says, yeah, that's right, you shouldn't murder, but also you shouldn't hate, you shouldn't have anger in, in your heart, right? Uh, the Ten Commandments say you shouldn't commit adultery, and, and, and Jesus says that's right, you shouldn't commit adultery, but you shouldn't even lust after someone in your, in your heart. The Ten Commandments say you shouldn't bear false witnesses, Jesus says, yeah, you shouldn't bear false witnesses, but you shouldn't even make an oath to begin with. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? Jesus takes it a step further and moves it from an external thing to an internal thing, right? The Ten Commandments prove that we can't obey, we can't do the things that God wants us to do, and, and then Jesus takes it the next step further and, and proves to us that we can't even want to do what, what God calls us to do, Right? The 10 commandments were given not to provide salvation, not to bring us a way to, to please God or to be united to God, but to prove to us that we can't measure up to this standard. Uh, another thing Paul says here in verse, um, in, uh, in, in this passage here, verse, um, verse 11, he says, it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous will live by faith. He says the law is not of faith, but it's the one that does them shall live. Christ redeemed us from the law, Uh, but he he also says that that, that we have to keep all the law. If we don't keep all the law, if we even just break one part of the law, then then we're guilty of of all of it. All aspects of the law must must be kept. And again, this is not a failure weakness of the law. This is not the purpose of the law. It wasn't, it wasn't given to us that we would obey it and earn our, our righteousness with God. It was given to us to prove to us that, that we can't. And so looking back to Deuteronomy 5, you know, when they received the 10 commandments, they said, they, they said yes, we'll do it. Well, that's a good response because they're gonna try to obey if, if God's the Lord and he's given them His command that they're gonna try to obey and, and, and they have that as their intention, and, and yet God didn't give it to them so that they would obey it. God gave it to them so they would try to obey it and see that they can't obey it. Which takes us to the second, uh, the second use of, uh, of the Ten Commandments, the second reason that God gave it. So it can't provide salvation. It can't, it, it, can't, uh, it can't bring us to God and reconcile us to him. So then why did God give the law? And that's the the exact question Paul asked just a few verses later. Skip down to verse 19. Still Galatians 3, look down to verse 19. He says, why then the law? If the law wasn't given to provide salvation, then why was it given? He says it was added because of transgressions. Until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture, he says, imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then... The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So why was the law given? Why then the law in verse 19? The direct answer he gets to in verse 24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came to lead us to Christ. This is the second uh, the second thing God uses or the second step of the process that God uses the, the reason that he gave the law. He gave it to prove to us that we can't measure up to God on our own and to prove to us that we need someone else to come and measure up for us. And God has sent that person in in, in Jesus. The law imprisoned everything under sin for the purpose of leading us to Christ. Paul says the law is a is a guardian, or if you're using a different translation, it might say a tutor. Right, it's, a, it's, it's there to lead us, to, to guide us, to take us to Jesus. In, uh, in, in, in some places where they have kings and queens, sometimes a, a, a baby will be the heir of the throne, right? There was a time, I think it was uh, King Henry VI of, of England, and he became the king of England, the king of Great Britain, uh, when he was eight months old, eight months and 26 days old. He's the king, right? Well, an eight-month-year-old can't rule a kingdom, right? And so, what happens whenever there's someone who becomes a king that's under 18, they're given in England is called a, a regent, and it's someone that's there. It's like a guardian that's there to help them and to mold them and to guide them and help them uh, to be, to to get ready to rule the kingdom, to get ready to become the to become the king. And once they become 18, the regent goes away. The regent has no more authority. The regent has no more power. The the king comes into his own, or the queen comes into her own, and they're now ready to rule for themselves. And Paul says that's that's the role the law has. The law was given as a as a tutor, as a uh, as, as a as a guardian, as a as a regent to lead us, to prepare us for, get us ready for, the savior that was going to come. And once we have the savior, now the law goes away, and we're no longer under that guardian. We're now under under Christ. I don't know much about her, or even about this situation, uh, but but I've I've heard in the news recently something about Britney Spears, and that she's under a uh, under a conservatorship, that she's got all this money from when she was, uh, you know, famous and making songs and stuff, and but she doesn't get to spend it, and she doesn't get to make to to uh, to make decisions about how it's going to be used, um, even though she's of age now. She's still under a conservatorship. where well, there's someone, her, her dad, I think, or someone, I'm not sure. There's someone else who's in, 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 has access to all that and has authority over all that and is making those decisions for her. The law is kind of like that. The law was given to lead us to Jesus, to point us to Jesus. It was never meant to save us or to justify us. That wasn't its, its purpose. In fact, Paul says here in, in, in the second part of chapter three that we're reading, 19 through, through 25, he says that the promises were given before the law. God made promises to Adam, God made promises to Noah, God made promises to Abraham and, and others, and those all came before the law was ever given to Moses. So before the law was ever given, God had already promised that he was gonna be gracious to his people, he was gonna be merciful to his people, he was gonna save his people, right? So the law is not how that's going to come about. The law was a guardian to lead us to the, the promises, to lead us to uh, to lead us to to Jesus, the Savior, that God would provide in fulfillment of those promises. And we see that here in these in these two passages. Back in the back in the first passage, look back to, to verse thirteen. He says, "Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us." For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The law was to show us our need for Christ. The law was to show us, uh, to, to drive us to Christ in desperation, that we can't, we can't do this ourselves. We can't measure up to the standard ourselves. We need someone else and drive us in that desperation to Jesus. And Jesus himself was the fulfillment of the promises. Jesus was the plan the whole time, right? People living in the Old Testament, people living in the time that Moses brought the the 10 commandments down from the the mountain on the two tablets and gave them to the people and read them out to the people. The plan never was, here's what you should do in order for God to save you, in order for God to be your God, right? We're not gonna turn there and read it, but you may remember the, the way that Exodus chapter 20 begins in verse one is, I am your God, Therefore, do these things. It's never, hey, do these things and I'll become your God. Do these things and I'll become favorable towards you. I'll, I'll, I'll look at you uh, with, with blessings and, 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 and be, be satisfied with you, be happy with you, be pleased with you. It was always, I've already chosen to make myself your God. I've already chosen to be gracious to you. I've chosen to, to save you. I made these promises that I'm going uh, to provide for you. Because of that, now here's how you should live, right? The promises were first. So thinking back to the Old Testament uh, time when 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 Deuteronomy five was written, when when uh, when Exodus twenty was written, when those events actually happened, the reason they were given, the way that people should have responded to 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 the ten commandments and 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 the rest of the law, too, right? The Ten Commandments is kind of a summary of of other laws that were given in the Old Testament. But the way people should have responded was, this is too, this is too much, this is too hard, I can't do this. I, there's no way I'm gonna measure up to this. I need, I need help. God, I need you to provide a way out of this, right? And those that are not in Christ today, that's how, that's how we should respond to that as well if we're not in Christ. This is God's standard, I can't measure up to it, I need help, I need God to do it for me, right? But what about those of us who are in Christ, those of us who are trusting in the Lord today? Uh, Paul says that, that once we believe in Jesus, once we trust in Jesus, then we're no longer under the guardian of, of the law. So, so how do we respond to the law? How do we use the law? What is, how, how do the 10 Commandments uh, affect us? And so I wanna really quickly offer, offer four ways that, that we should use the law, okay? First of all, uh, the 10 Commandments, reveal God's character to us. They show us who God is. They show us what it means that God is holy. They show us what it means that God is is righteous, right? So you have commandments like, uh, do not bear false witness against your brother, right? Well, why, why does God not want us to bear false witness against our brother? Well, we read in the New Testament that Jesus is the truth, right? God himself is truth. And so he's calling us to be like him. Don't bear false witness because I am The truth, be like me. Why does God tell us not to commit adultery in the Ten Commandments? Because God is faithful. God keeps his promises. God stands by what he says and does what he what he says he will do. And so he's calling us to be like him. Don't commit adultery. Don't be unfaithful. Be like me. Be be faithful. Why does God say not to murder? Again, because God is life. He's the source of life. He is life. In the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and and the life. Why does God say you shall not steal? Because God is the provider. We don't need to steal something from someone else. We don't need to rely on what we can get from other people by by unjust means. We rely on God as our our provider who's going to take care of us. Why does God say that we shouldn't covet? You know, we talked some last week about how covet's a little bit different. Covet's the one of the Ten Commandments that, that is internal. Why does God say that we shouldn't covet? Because we should find our satisfaction in, in God. We should find our satisfaction in God. God satisfies uh, his people. So, so one way that we, that we should look at the Ten Commandments is it reveals God's character to us. It shows us what God is like. Um, uh, and, and then another way, a second way is, it really is a standard for living. Now, we recognize that we're not going to measure up to that standard. We recognize that that we're not going to be able to to obey the Ten Commandments perfectly. But we also recognize that that is a standard that we should strive for. That's a standard that God has given us for for living. Uh, A third way that we should use the Ten Commandments is is, it continually shows us our sin. That was the purpose, one of the the purposes to begin with, to show us our sin and drive us to, to Jesus, well, it still has that effect on us. Even as believers, it continues to show us our sin. Continues to reveal that to us. And then related to that, the fourth way that we we use it, or the fourth use it has for us is it continually drives us to Jesus. Sometimes we have this misunderstanding uh, among believers that, you know, the gospel is for unbelievers. The gospel is for those who haven't believed in Jesus yet, and there's some truth to that, obviously, right, the gospel was given, that people might come into a relationship with God, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to one another, that we might come into a relationship with Jesus, that's absolutely true. But the gospel is given to the church, and the gospel is given for the church, right? We don't, we don't repent one day and become a believer and then that's the end of it, right? The, the life of a believer should be a life of continual repentance, and the Ten Commandments help us with that. The Ten Commandments show us this is the standard God has for us because God himself is the standard. We should be like him. This is the standard. Every day we fall short of that standard. Every day we're reminded over and over and over as believers in Jesus that we can't measure up to what God uh, has for us. We can't measure up to God himself as our, as our standard. And it also reminds us every day that we need a savior and that God has provided a savior. And so it calls us daily, hourly, minutely, right? To, to repent and, and turn back to the Lord and rely on him. Not to rely on ourselves, but to rely on, on the Lord. God has saved his people. We, we know that, we know uh, Philippians 1.6, we've quoted that so many times here at our church. We used to do those Philippians 1.6 testimonies, you know, that if, if God begins a, a good work in us and he's faithful and, and, and he's gonna bring it about, uh, bring about the completion of that work, Salvation is a process that happens over time and, and the Ten Commandments and the law, while we're no longer under the Ten Commandments, we're no longer under the law, we're now um, united to Jesus. It is a continual, continual reminder to us that we need Jesus continually. That I need him as much today as I did, how many ever years ago it's been since, since he first saved me. And I'll need him tomorrow and the next year and the next year and the next year as much as I need him today. But it also reminds us that God is working in us, and he is bringing that work to completion. Um, and, and in fact, Paul tells us in Romans that the purpose, one of the purposes that, that, that God has for us is that he is uh, forming us into the image of his son, Jesus, making us like him. And one of the ways he does that is through our repentance and through our trusting him continually. So what, so, so how do we use the Ten Commandments? They're used to to show us our need for Christ, show us our sin, show us our need for a Savior, and drive us to that Savior. And then that at, once we found that Savior, once we've uh, once we've submitted to Him, they continually show us who God is, what God's like, how God would have us live, reminder that we can't do that on our own, and reminder that we continue to need Jesus to be our Savior. May we may we use the word that way. And and may God produce growth in us individually and as a church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much tonight for your word. God, we thank you that, uh, that you've given us your law, the 10 commandments and, and God, we thank you that you are, are using them in our lives. And God, those of us here, all of us here that are, that are believers, God, there was a time where we were uh, not your children. We were not believers. We were not connected to Jesus. And God, there was a time where we came to realize that you had a standard for us, and we couldn't meet that standard, and, but you provided a Savior for us in that. And God, we're thankful that your law showed us that. And God, I pray you'd help us now as, as believers to continually be um, introspective, be thinking about our own lives and, and comparing ourselves to the standard that you would have for us. God, I pray that that would not lead us to pride. I pray that that would not lead us to despair but that would lead us to to you, to a continual trusting in you, to a continual repentance and turning towards you. God, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.